Do you know any little children? I have a two-year-old daughter, and she's a cute, spunky thing. And what I know about her is that she is totally dependent on me and my husband for pretty much everything. She can't get a Band-Aid for herself. She can't go to the doctor by herself. She can't get around. She can't drive. She can't ride a bike. Um, She can't get her own food by herself. She needs someone to feed her. She doesn't know how to make wise decisions about those things by herself. Um, she can. She's starting to put her own clothes on and learn how to do that, but she can't always do the buttons and things by herself or tie her shoes. She's utterly dependent on us, and she's in a way humble um, before my husband and I. And we're the same way before God. Everything, we don't always realize it, but we are dependent on him for everything. The air we breathe, for the plants that grow, that feed us, um, that feed animals that feed us, um, for our clothing, for our protection, and for everything that we need spiritually. We can't save ourselves. We provide no righteousness of our own. We're totally dependent on Christ to provide all of our goodness and all of the sacrifice for our sins. So we are totally, totally dependent on God the way a little child is dependent on their parents. I'm so glad that you joined me today on Audacious Arrows, where we're becoming recklessly bold men and women of faith through the power of God's Word. We're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 18 today, and Jesus is going to start another section where he is teaching his disciples. Um, So it's called one of his great discourses in the book of Matthew. There's five sections of teaching, and this is the fourth section of teaching that he has. And for context, there's just two things that I want to um, explain to you. One is they're going to talk about a great millstone. Okay, so this is a this is. a great big round stone and it was used for milling or grinding like wheat into flour um, so it would have been very 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 heavy you would have had two stones maybe stacked on top of each other and then you'd put the grain would kind of fall in between them and then one of them would be turned and it would grind them so this is a really heavy stone and then the other thing is he's going to use the word woe and we see that a lot in scripture and so it's like you might think well what does that actually mean well it means inconsolable grief sorrow and misery um so inconsolable like just think really a lot of misery and sorrow so he says woe to you it's like grief to you (laughs) like um, sorrow to you um is what that means all right let's dive in we are in matthew chapter 18 At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand 
or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountainside and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. All right, let's talk about what we just read. So the disciples start out and they have this question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which I can just imagine them like fighting over like Peter and John. Oh, I'm the greatest. <laughs> I'm the greatest. I don't know if they actually did that, but it's just what I imagine the background here. And they go up to Jesus and they're asking him this. And I wonder what they expected him to say. But what Jesus does is he takes a child and puts it in the middle of them and says that they need to become like little children. So what are children like? Well, it's not because children are innocent or without sin. You know that because if you're a child, you know that you sin all the time. Um, but what is it about children? They're dependent on others and they accept help. Um, they accept a lot of things that they can't provide for themselves. In a way, they're humble because of that. And that's what Jesus says in verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So being humble is really just viewing your own position rightly. Um, but it's lowering yourself down and saying, I'm not more important than somebody else. Recognizing that, you know, I am a sinner and I need a savior. I need my heavenly father. I cannot do this all by myself. I'm totally dependent on God for everything that I need. That's what it means to be humble like a child. Um, and Jesus says that we, if we're not humble in that way, we won't enter the kingdom of heaven, much less be the greatest in it. Okay, now for the rest of this passage, Jesus is still using the illustration of a little child, but he's not just talking about a literal child anymore. He's talking about anyone, young or old, who has humbled themselves in that way and, and become part of God's family. Um, so as part of the kingdom of heaven now. Okay, so I would be in that category. I would be a little child in the kingdom of heaven because I am dependent on my heavenly father. Okay, so think about in your church, um, people talk about brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's who Jesus is talking about here. Um, little children are just anyone who's part of God's family. We're all like little children before our Heavenly Father. And what does Jesus say about them? That when we receive them in Jesus' name, we receive Him. But if we cause one of them um, to sin or to be tempted, it's a very, very serious thing, isn't it? He says, um, that it would be better for them to be drowned than to tempt one of God's children. Wow. Okay, skip ahead a little to verse 10. It says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. And then he tells us why. 
So our Heavenly Father has ministering angels um, that he sends out. The Bible talks a lot about angels. So God cares so much about his children that he sends his angels to protect them. And he even uses this illustration of like we are like God's sheep. And if one of us is lost, he will go seek for us. So if our Heavenly Father cares so much about his little children that he has angels sent to protect them and that he would seek us when we are lost, shouldn't we also care for our brothers and sisters in the Lord? It's kind of like in your family. If your mom and dad love your sister so much or your brother so much, shouldn't you also love them? Of course. Um, and treat them as a family member. So that's the way we need to treat others who are in the family of God. Okay, let's jump backwards, back to verse 7. He has this um, discussion about temptation. All right, so what tempts us to sin? Does your hand or your foot or your eye tempt you to sin? Jesus has this discussion about like cutting off your hand or your foot or tearing out your eye. Um, Do you think that Jesus wants you to literally do that? Here's a question. Did his disciples do that? They were sinners. They were tempted to sin. Um, So did they take Jesus literally and rip off their eyeballs or (laughs) cut off their feet? They didn't do that. So I think the disciples understood that Jesus didn't mean to literally do that. Um, He's making a different point here. So think about what actually causes us to sin. If If there's a person who's causing you to sin, I think it's wise to avoid that person or to deal with that temptation. Um, If there is a thing that's causing, is tempting you, let's say um, a certain book or a magazine or something that's causing you to be tempted, well, get rid of it. You don't need it. Um, And our very hearts are really the source of a lot of our own temptation is our own sin. And we can't get rid of our hearts. I'm not recommending that you cut out your heart. It wouldn't fix the problem anyway, because it's not your physical heart. It's a little more of a spiritual reality. Um, but we need to deal seriously with temptations to sin, um, because it's better to avoid those things and really set our minds on eternity um, than just kind of go along with it and be like, well, I was tempted. This is what happened. Um, this is uh, temptation is a very serious thing and sin is a very serious thing and that's the point that's being made not that you should actually cut off your foot or rip out your eyeballs Um, don't don't do that (laughs) all right let's talk about our memory verse for this week we're in psalm 37 and we started out memorizing verses 3 4 and then 5 and 6 and now we're jumping ahead a little bit in the same psalm though So this is verses 23 and 24. It says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Well, thank you for joining me today on our journey through the book of Matthew. You want to check out the description box below or have your mom and dad check that out for details about my giveaway. Um, Audacious Arrows, we're giving away a children's ESV Bible, hardcover, cloth-bound Bible. So this is a really beautiful 
book. It's a full Bible. It's not like a children's Bible. It just has a few stories in it. It's the whole thing. Um, But it has beautiful illustrations in it. So you'll want to check that out. It's pretty easy to enter and your mom and dad can sign up and I will draw a name from the entries at the end of the month of March. So check that out and we'll see you next time.